know, what we're doing to Wyoming, our commitment to Wyoming, stuff like that. We, you know, we'll just, it'll be, yeah. you know, free form. We'll cover that, right? So. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, you know, um, we obviously want to highlight Tassin, you know, and your sure, guys' sure. business and what you guys do. And then. John Benaki, associate uh, or assistant or so, uh, associate general counsel, <laughs> associate general counsel, policy director at uh, TAS and uh, Wyoming uh, based and headquartered uh, blockchain software development and consulting company. Yep. John Benaki. There, we'll clean it up right there. There you to go. That point. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Um, yeah. Glad to be here. You're just running the miles right now. Um, Something like that. Yeah. But uh, luckily the, uh, State treasurer told you to come testify up at the blockchain well, committee. <laughs> well, uh, more or less, uh, he uh, requested that one of us be present because uh, we're working on uh, an implementation plan for the Wyoming stable token in collaboration with the treasurer's office. Nice. Awesome. And how'd that go? How was that received from the committee or is it still in the works? So if we look back to when the Wyoming stable token uh, legislation was passed during the prior year, uh, I, th I believe more than around two-thirds or more than two-thirds of uh, both houses of the Wyoming legislature uh, approved the legislation, then went to the governor's desk, and uh, Governor Gordon was uh, somewhat concerned that uh, perhaps the, the, the office of the treasurer didn't have the uh, time or uh, relevant expertise. And so uh, following up on that, mm. because our CEO, he was one of the main people who testified in favor of the Wyoming stable token sure. uh, legislation before the Wyoming House Appropriations Committee. We followed up with Governor Gordon and saw that he is you know, very enthusiastic and totally committed to blockchain in general and specifically the Wyoming stable token. But yeah. the relevant uh, discussions and whatnot, there just need to be a little bit more elaboration. So after that very positive uh, meeting with him, which was uh, arranged by uh, Representative uh, Cyrus Western, yeah. uh, we then uh, went and met with uh, Kurt Meyer in the treasurer's office, and we discussed that we would put forward this uh, uh, potential implementation plan uh, to be able to help guide the treasurer's office in its uh, various efforts. And from talking to him, I mean, not only was he very receptive toward uh, us as uh, public citizens, you know, putting forward this potential proposal, but I was very well assured uh, when discussing this potential proposal, uh, many of the things uh, the treasurer's office had already uh, considered. So as I testified recently to the Wyoming uh, Blockchain Select Committee uh, here in Sheridan, I'm uh, very confident in the ability of the treasurer's office, uh, both with our help and then on their own, to be able to execute upon this plan. They definitely have the uh, expertise, uh, the motivation, uh, and the desire to move forward with this. Awesome. Um, for anyone out there that doesn't know the stable coin, what would this legislat legislation do for Wyoming and for stable coins? Yeah, so uh, do many of your listeners know what a stable token is? We've covered blockchain and just yeah. briefly introduced cryptocurrency, so if you want to go into what a stable token is, that'd be great. Yeah, of course. So uh, a stable token, in contrast to many other cryptocurrencies, is uh, pegged to a certain underlying uh, value. So uh, for those who are aficionados of blockchain, you'll see that there's been a lot of uh, movement, both historically and recently, uh, with various cryptocurrencies, uh, such as or tokens or whatnot. 
such as uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And uh, what, the, uh, what a stable token allows you to do is to be able to access the blockchain ecosystem, um, the, the value of distributed ledger technology in terms of its various uh, you know, efficiency and transparency, uh, but uh, being able to actively transact in it. For instance, gotcha. if you're buying, uh, you know, performing some internal corporate transaction or you're even buying a cup of coffee, by the time that you buy that, uh, that cup of coffee for you know, $2 in uh, Bitcoin or BTC, the value could have already changed, right? So uh, the stable tokens are, the way that they're pegged, it, it can differ in many ways. Um, some of the more prominent uh, stable tokens uh, index their value more or less one-to-one -to, -one to the U.S. dollar, and they're able to evidence this, that the value is actually there by holding, you know, various uh, U.S. treasuries or other, like, assets to be able to back up all the stable tokens that they've issued. However, as we've seen, many of your listeners probably know, in uh, recent days and recent weeks, um, we've seen a lot of turbulence in various stable tokens, uh, particularly uh, UST, uh, which was the stable token of uh, Luna, okay. a uh, formerly prominent <laughs> cryptocurrency company. And that was an algorithmically pegged stable token that more or less collapsed. Mm. And uh, there's other uh, additional concerns about other stable tokens, such as uh, USDT, which is pegged one-to-one -one for the U.S. dollar, but is issued by uh, Tether, a, a Chinese company. Okay. And uh, there have been a lot of concerns in the marketplace. Well, do they actually have the reserves to uh, support uh, their one-to-one uh, -one dollar peg? And uh, briefly, during um, some of the... Uh, turbulence involving Luna, um, their uh, their stable token also uh, depegged from the dollar, which is is definitely oh, not a good sign. Yeah, yeah. So a lot a lot going on, but in short, a stable token in theory is is trying to not be as volatile as as traditional cryptocurrency as everyone. Uh, you know, if anyone has a basic understanding of the cryptocurrency, it's the stable token is trying. We're trying to be uh, one to one. You know, kind of tethered to either the dollar or maybe some other form of currency. Is, is that a kind of a good basic under understanding? Yeah, definitely. And most people think that cryptocurrency, it's only valuable as some sort of method of uh, speculation where they think, wait a minute, it's pegged one to one for the dollar. Like, why would you ever want that? Why wouldn't you want uh, something like uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum where you could mm -hmm. have these huge gains or whatnot? Uh, but it's really in terms of efficiency and transparency in terms of transactions uh, you can cut out a lot of the middlemen and various costs by uh, using these. Yep, gotcha. Very cool. So, um, uh, and that was something that um, was a great explanation of why uh, Governor Gordon maybe didn't sign that bill last year. You know, in regards, those are some those are some fair concerns in regards to you know how would the state manage that and uh, things like that. So, um, very cool. Um, I will say though, I'm um, based on the uh, committee meeting that I recently attended based on discussions with the treasurer's office, I'm very, very optimistic uh, about the uh, issuing and implementation of the stable token um, during the next, next legislative session. Mm -hmm. And the real value I think this would drive for Wyoming is not only is there potential monetary value in terms of uh, potential redemption fees and whatnot, but talking to all my friends in either uh, DC or Austin or a lot of these major centers, that uh, blockchain, crypto, Web3, digital assets, whatever you want to call it, has really put Wyoming on the map. And when I was mentioning to uh, many of my colleagues that Wyoming is working on issuing its own stable token, I think that uh, 
even outside of the monetary value, optically, it looks just very, very cool for the state. Yeah. And um, it will continue to both drive innovation within the state and encourage people to actually bring uh, jobs um, and economic growth here to the state. Sure. Um, let's, let's dive into that, the economic growth. And then I think, you know, um, everyone right now um, with inflation and like local government budgets and things like that, you know, people, um, critics of this stable token have come out and said, well, what is this going to cost the state of Wyoming? You know, are there any costs? You know, does does the state have to front any money for this stable coin? Um, and then talk a little bit about how it does. I think some people, I think they understand that first part, John, of of what it is. Okay, you know, that's a, it's a, you know one to one, it's pegged, but how does that drive economic growth? You know, for people that uh, want to move here or businesses want to come out here. That's kind of a twofold question, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's uh... <laughs> so I, I think the way that it. Uh, the, the uh, in terms of the amount it would actually cost, so uh, for those who haven't really looked at this, uh, the Wyoming stable token, in contrast to many other stable tokens, it would have relatively unrivaled uh, transparency. That is to say that the, uh, the treasurer's office in Wyoming would be uh, purchasing and then holding uh, U.S. Treasury bills that would then provide the asset on which the stable token is based. Gotcha. So outside of the uh, purchasing of the underlying treasury bills, um, you are correct that there were some various concerns about how much this would cost or whatnot. But in terms of uh, my testimony before the Wyoming Blockchain Select Committee and a number of other uh, companies um, involved in like audit, auditing and custody, uh, the cost actually wouldn't be, I can't pr provide you a precise figure, but That's okay. the, yeah. the cost really wouldn't be that high. And the potential gain from this uh, monetarily, for instance, is uh, I think decently large. And then certainly optically and reputationally, it's very large because, you know, Wyoming has really been at the forefront of uh, regulatory uh, innovation and certainty uh, in this uh, field. And uh, many other states in recent years have attempted to more or less sort of copy over Wyoming's uh, various laws and whatnot. And so the way that Wyoming can indicate that it's really uh, dedicated to this uh, industry moving forward is by, you know, passing passing this law and showing to many of my colleagues, and I was recently down in uh, Consensus in Austin, that Wyoming, if you are a crypto company, it's really a place to be. Mm. And one, one last thing that I'll note is, for instance, our, our company, which is uh, headquartered in Cheyenne, and uh, we have about uh, 12 people in our Cheyenne office, about half of whom are, you know, Wyoming natives, because that's another concern bringing in all the people from California, right? <laughs> yeah, bringing all these, yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, we don't, uh, so Tassin is a software developer. We're primarily working on a hybrid decentralized crypto exchange. So um, it's uh, primarily decentralized finance, so leading to greater uh, security, relatively greater privacy, but a lot of DeFi exchanges, they're pretty slow, right? So we have uh, centralized order matching. And then we also have another um, workflow process, uh, workflow product for people looking to avoid the venture capital raising process and looking to uh, be able to fund their topics, particularly from uh, overseas investors. Mm. So when we moved here, um, you know, you can see that Wyoming passed all this uh, landmark legislation, such as the Dow LLC law, the Speedy law, and uh, various things like that. Uh, a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily, at least in our current business model, apply to us. Uh, but one of the major reasons that our CEO, Jay Yang, decided to uh, move here is that uh, the fact that they really were at the forefront of digital innovation 
uh, showcase that, well, if we ever do need any regulatory clarity or whatnot, like we can be able uh, to interface with uh, people in the uh, government and secure that clarity. And it really demonstrates on an, an optical or marketing sort of angle that it's uh, very much so uh, dedicated to the space moving forward. So similarly, I think uh, in the case of the stable token, even if companies themselves don't transact in the use it for internal transactions or don't transact within that, it's a tremendous statement about uh, Wyoming being at uh, really the frontier of uh, crypto and digital assets uh, law. Wonderful. No, that's great. And well, good transition because, John, I, want, I do want to get into the uh, TAS and, and, and what you guys do. And um, talk a little bit about that, the decentralized finance um, for anyone that maybe is uh, unfamiliar with that, you know, I, I had a lot of listeners. We did kind of like some intro blockchain stuff, and then they were kind of like, well, how do I start? Like, where do I go? And it's like, well, okay, well, there's so many out there, <laughs> and there's different. You mentioned, you know, there's decentralized. Um, so anyways, yeah, talk a little bit about, you know, for someone out there that is curious about it, what's that mean? Like, uh, why would someone have to have that for, you know, cryptocurrency and blockchain? Yeah, so... Uh, more or less, we have about two models of uh, finance. I guess ours is, uh, in terms of trading, ours is the third, right? Yeah, the best yeah. of both worlds, yes. right? <laughs> but uh, more or less, at least in regard to cryptocurrency exchanges and various projects, um, you either have a centralized uh, project or a decentralized project. So a centralized product or a centralized exchange is something like a Coinbase, right, where you... Uh, you know, file in your uh, information, accounting information, credit card information, um, and then you're able to use that to be able to buy uh, cri uh, cryptocurrency uh, on a relevant exchange or convert it into U.S. dollars or whatnot. Yeah. And uh, one of the big problems is we've seen with centralized exchanges as of late, there's this sort of phrase within the crypto industry, if you don't control your private keys, meaning the keys to your uh, crypto wallet, you don't control your tokens. So what's happened in a lot of cases is that um, people sort of treat um, a centralized cryptocurrency uh, exchange as a, a bank or something. So uh, they'll keep all of their crypto, whether it be Bitcoin or Ethereum or various other tokens, they'll keep it on the exchange. And there's no FDIC insurance for that, right? right. And if, you, if, for instance, you get uh, hacked, then you're going to have to pursue legal action against that company. Or in uh, many cases, as we've seen for both cryptocurrency exchanges and securities exchanges, uh, such as um, uh, Robinhood, for instance, uh, pausing various people's uh, deposits or withdrawals. And then recently, we also saw uh, Binance for a number of hours because of a, a quote-unquote technical issue. Yeah. I'm not sure how technical it was, but uh, pausing people's um, various transactions on the exchange. So uh, there's a lot of uh, occasion for uh, perverse incentives on the part of a centralized exchange uh, to be able to reward the people that they want and... Uh, uh, that if, you, if, if they really don't want you, you're not provided those protections. Right. Um, and as well, because everything's stored centrally, um, the potential of a hack or security is like, uh, or la rather lack of security, that risk is very high. So in contrast, you can have a, a decentralized system, more or less that you have a, an open source, well, the project's different on this, but you have an open source uh, software protocol uh, that dictates uh, how uh, one exchanges peer-to-peer -peer through the exchange. And so the added benefits are that, well, if you're transacting peer-to-peer -peer through a decentralized protocol, then no one is custody. Uh, projects can change or, or projects can differ. Yeah. But in general, no one's custodying your crypto. No one has your, your quote-unquote, like, uh, you know, keys. No one has your tokens. 
So as a result, they're just much, much safer, uh, much more difficult to be able to hack or steal from. Uh, as well, they can't just randomly pause your trading uh, according to something going on in the market or something bad that they have, may have done. Yeah. Uh, as well, uh, you have rel uh, relatively greater anonymity. So um, a centralized exchange can uh, track more or less all of your transactions on the exchange. Um, and there's many privacy concerns in the crypto industry about that. Um, and the uh, decentralized exchange typically... They can differ, uh, but in most cases, they'll require you to perform a relevant, you know, know your customer check, you know, in order to satisfy various anti-money laundering laws uh, to be able to uh, satisfy that. And then once you're once you've passed that, um, then they're not going to be tracking your transactions in this really sort of invasive way. So how our exchange uh, differs, which is uh, called the uh, TAS and Exchange or the TAS and HDEX Hybrid Decentralized Exchange. Uh, it's going to be released in alpha into alpha in about a month. Awesome. Is that the problem with a lot of DeFi exchanges? Because uh, Aaron, you could see that DeFi like <laughs> a huge number of benefits, right? Um, the, so, uh, however, the main disadvantage to DeFi is that it's typically very slow, and for you know the, the for the consumer for the retail market, in some t in cases that's sufficient. But particularly if you want to um, onboard various uh, institutional uh, users onto your exchange where milliseconds or fractions of milliseconds can matter, um, a lot of DeFi can't really support that. And so we're partnering with uh, one of our uh, affiliated companies, uh, Project TXA in Singapore, to be able to provide a, a decentralized settlement layer, more or less the, uh, the order book and settlement for the exchange. Um, and so we combine a primarily DeFi product so remember, you have greater privacy and greater security with uh, centralized order matching leading to greater speed. So yep, I got you. Yeah, yeah and, and and it combines to there's there's been concerns concerns obviously for centralized um, with uh, the tracking, you know, because crypto and blockchain was for kind of the anonymity, you know, it, it was meant to be decentralized. But then there's the problem of you know. And it, the you know not being tracked on the decentralized where that's uh, kind of been the legal side of like the SEC and the national the feds about well how do we know who's you know changing hands and changing money so that's uh, very cool so that's going to be out uh, August uh, we're going to be releasing the uh, alpha in August and then very cool. uh, the beta uh, soon after that and then launching the full exchange and um, just to follow up on that brief point that you made yeah. what's, what's very funny about that is that. You know, people argue, oh, DeFi is this uh, this sort of a dark web yeah. of uh, crypto and whatnot. However, depending on the relevant blockchain that you're transacting on, our exchange is going to be able to operate multi-chain. That's another of the, the big benefits. Oh, okay. Um, is that, for instance, if I send you, Aaron, BTC, um, then it's all recorded publicly on a, a on the um, on the blockchain ledger, and you can be able to be uh, you know audit that on various uh, you know websites and whatnot. The only thing that uh, you know we don't know, and the government can find out very easily, is like who does this wallet address uh, belong to? Right. And so if the government needs to be able to uh, prosecute various money laundering or financial crimes uh, in regard to uh, that, once they obtain a valid uh, subpoena and then go through that process. Actually auditing the, the flow of funds is uh, very easy from that perspective. Uh, but if you're simply just transacting in some sort of a legal manner where the government isn't really concerned, uh, then it does you know, uh, help to protect privacy more than existing um, uh, 
yeah. the existing process through financial institutions. Very know? cool. No, that was great. Yeah, always correct me if I say something wrong because this is a big... Uh, oh, no, just expanding, <laughs> just expanding on it, you know? Um, and going on that thread there, you know, um, uh, and, and you can tell us if you haven't really uh, looked in, into it too much because you've been busy with kind of this, the local stuff um, with the stable coin. Um, but uh, Senator Lummis, who is also, you know, is a Wyoming senator, um, she has a bipartisan bill on the Senate. I don't know if it's passed the Senate or not yet, but um, kind of. Uh, it's, it's, it's been introduced, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's in her goal, she has said, and kind of reading through it, I think it it's very basic in just trying to define and clear up kind of what we were just talking about, you know, what is the SEC's jurisdiction on these things? You know, they're defining, you know, digital assets. Um, just um, what are your kind of thoughts on her? Um, again, it's kind of Wyoming leading the way, which has been her, her, her big thing. But um, what have you found um, interesting in her bill that you think is um, going to be kind of the hot topics nationally for, for blockchain and cryptos uh, out of that bill? Yeah. Uh, so you are definitely right, uh, Senator Lummis uh, and her, her various staff, including Wyoming's own uh, Tyler Lindholm and Chris Land, are reading, uh, really leading the path on um, you know not only uh, the crypto regulation that's uh, occurred uh, in Wyoming, but also on the uh, national level as uh, as well. Yeah, I remember attending. I was recently at Consensus in uh, in Austin, uh, this large uh, crypto uh, blockchain conference. And uh, the Blockchain Association, of which uh, Tassin is a member, uh, they put on this um, this uh, lunch or so where they had a bunch of uh, prominent uh, people involved in the regulatory process speak. And Senator Lemus gave an uh, overview of her uh, bill, oh, awesome. uh, which is uh, co-sponsored with uh, Senator Gillibrand from New York, mm -hmm. uh, as well as her uh, general counsel, uh, Chris Land. And uh, she you know, received, uh, after discussing it and the path forward and whatnot, I received a, sort of a standing ovation, right? Oh, wow. And an important thing to recognize here is that uh, outside of a few uh, figures, you know, uh, crypto and, and blockchain really isn't uh, a, you know, a partisan issue. I mean, that's particularly uh, why uh, Senator Lummis uh, was able to get uh, Senator Gillibrand as being her co-sponsor, who's a, a prominent Democrat based in New York. Mm -hmm. So I think... More or less, the bill helps to uh, clarify a number of underlying ambiguities in the U.S. crypto market, uh, particularly related to the jurisdiction of uh, various uh, regulatory agencies, as you were saying before, uh, the process for approving various uh, crypto banks uh, through the Federal Reserve. Um, because what we've really seen is that there's been a, a lack of uh, regulatory clarity uh, that's been very poisonous for various U.S. Uh, crypto companies. Um, and so as a result... A lot of crypto companies um, have decided that rather than suffer this sort of lack of clarity where um, you're not sure whether what you're doing is you know, legal or not, according to the purview of the SEC through an enforcement action, uh, they would rather just completely go offshore, accept no U.S. customers. And so unfortunately, in terms of um, U.S. Uh, innovation and leadership within technology and blockchain, uh, it's been very uh, poisonous. So... I think that uh, Senator Lummis and Senator Gillibrand's bill holds a lot of promise. Certainly, it helps to, uh, you know, demonstrate Wyoming's uh, leadership on the uh, the national stage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. Um, you know, um, kind of. This is kind of a um, trying to kind of uh, tie some questions in together here, John, because you mentioned um, another part of your guys's uh, products that you guys are uh, hopefully to. 
bring out is um, you mentioned kind of uh, venture capital or, or investing. Um, yeah. And uh, I know one of the things that Senator Lummis wants to clarify is banks. You know, how can banks kind of operate um, in this space and uh, kind of talk a little bit about what you guys are doing and how maybe clarifying some things up for banks, how that helps, you know, uh, businesses or people invest uh, through through uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. Yeah, so um, we are not a uh, a bank or a financial institution, broker dealer, etc. Uh, however, what we do do is that in order to uh, you know facilitate the uh, the creation of the decentralized settlement layer through our partner in Singapore, we have some experience with uh, token financing. We had to develop a lot of internal expertise in terms of. Uh, how to be able to create a tokenomics, what's your go-to-market strategy, relationships with exchanges, relationships with investors, and various other templates and forms um, that are required uh, as well, like uh, the, the process that's available in certain jurisdictions. So we don't offer uh, investment or uh, legal advice, uh, but what we do offer is something very similar to, uh, you know, Y Combinator, the, uh, a very prominent uh, inc incubator based yeah. in San Francisco which is to say that we will shepherd you through the entire process and that when you need to go to your various uh, you know, financial advisors or um, uh, legal counselors, that the more information that you can bring to them, uh, the less cost that you're going to incur and the more efficient the process is going to be. I can tell you definitely as uh, a lawyer who uh, uh, originally I was going to work at a firm that I believe bills, or I guess this is across the industry, sure. that uh, you know, a big law firm in New York where the average cost per, per associate, not even partner, per associate per hour is $700. Ooh. So <laughs> if you can you know, bring in the various uh, you know, sort of uh, documents and forms that you'd like to use, maybe, the, you know, maybe your lawyer's opinion is not suited to your business, uh, but it's definitely going to help uh, you to save money in the long term. And uh, we also like, we're uh, partnering with, I believe, uh, three to four uh, different projects that are of you know a very strong potential uh, growth, and um, we also typically structure these uh, relationships such that um, we only receive a, a fraction of uh, various tokens once they're actually launched, so that we uh, you know our incentives are completely aligned. Yeah, that we really want them to succeed and uh, you know whatnot. Yeah, very cool. No, that's great. Um, Let's see here, man. We've hit. A, I guess you had a question about the uh, crypto banking specifically. I could touch on that if you'd like. Yes. Yeah. Banking. Yeah. How would that? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the main issues um, that a lot of uh, entities involved with like uh, crypto have experienced is that historically they have a very difficult time uh, getting banking services in addition to other you know emerging businesses or emerg uh, businesses in emerging industries. Yeah. So. Uh, what Wyoming did is be able to create the uh, special depository uh, institution, more or less a model for a crypto bank, because a lot of these banks, um, you know, unless you are cleared with the, the Federal Reserve and you're able to secure FDIC insurance, uh, there is no protection for potential uh, deposits, you know, if there's a, a bank run or something like that. And so what Wyoming did is, in many cases, a lot of the uh, requirements in terms of uh, potential uh, reserves other regulatory requirements actually go far beyond, in uh, some cases, a lot of the uh, requirements that are put forward by the uh, Federal Reserve and other state authorities uh, to be able to provide a cushion in case there was a, a bank run or challenge to people's deposits or something like that. Yeah. However, uh, many of the uh, crypto banks that have uh, 
been approved by the Wyoming Division of Banking have had a difficult time actually expanding their operations because they haven't been able to uh, attain a Federal Reserve master account status, uh, more or less accessing like the the real rails of the um, yeah uh, of the U.S. financial system. Um, there was some uh, promising news uh, a few months ago when it was announced that uh, Custodia, uh, it was formerly Avanti Capital, but uh, now it's rebranded, or Avanti Bank rather, and now it's rebranded as uh, Custodia, uh, obtained a, a routing number uh, uh, that is uh, something that uh, is usually followed by an approval of your master account status. Uh, however, they still haven't attained their master account status so specifically, the uh, Lummis and Gillibrand bill would clarify the uh, timelines uh, and the procedures on the part of the Federal Reserve when they're evaluating new projects. Because I believe, uh, you know, most uh, most banks, after conducting relevant due diligence, uh, they're approved somewhat quickly. However, uh, Custodia, you know, one of the big premier Wyoming crypto banks, Wyoming Speedies, I believe, has been waiting for about uh, eighteen months for any sort of response. Ooh. From the uh, both the the board of uh, governors and then the uh, the relevant Federal Reserve Bank that covers Wyoming. So dang, yeah. So yeah. So that would be that would be nice to clear that up and uh, for Wyoming and not not just for Wyoming but for for these crypto banks because then now there's there's some uh, guidance of <laughs> how you can yeah, go about exactly, that. exactly because otherwise they can't transact uh, much business. I mean, for yep. instance, Custodia has had to at great uh, time, effort, cost, and expense had to partner with uh, another relevant bank that is uh, more traditional uh, to be able to uh, just conduct its operations. Yeah. And obviously you don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You want to continue growing um, for sure. Um, well, John, that man, that's a lot right there. We don't want to blow our listeners minds too much there, but um, uh, real quick, you, you, before we got on air here, you're from Connecticut, right? Originally. Yeah. Um, and so went to law school. How did you get in with uh, Tassin? And then they were like, Hey, we're going to move to Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, very, it's yeah. a very good question. It's a question I get all the time. Um, so, yeah, I grew up uh, in Manchester, Connecticut, which is near Hartford, kind of like the center of the state. You know, Connecticut being about twice the size of Laramie County, but twice the size of the current Laramie County population would be like 200,000. Connecticut is like 3.8 million or right, something. Yeah. <laughs> so then I went to undergrad in Rhode Island, and uh, I then um, worked in a number of different fields, a lot of which are combined in my present role. Uh, including technology and policy and uh, legal adjacent stuff. When I, I lived in Washington, D.C. for about three years. And then I recently, uh, about a year ago or so, graduated from the University of Chicago, another three years. It's a long time to be able to get a law degree, huh? <laughs> Four plus three plus, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, then originally I was going to work in uh, big law in New York. Mm-hmm. And I potentially evaluated working at a you know litigation boutique or something. I will say the uh, the firm that I worked with, uh, Fried Frank in New York. I mean, is an absolutely uh, fantastic firm, and uh, I could sense that you know I would have a really good uh, professional career there. Sure. Um, and so it was uh, really tough for me to be able to say, well, after being offered that I, w- I wasn't going to be able to uh, go there. Particularly all the great people, all the great work that they do. Uh, but I was. Uh, co- I was uh, contacted by uh, one of my colleagues who I'd uh, known for uh, quite a good deal of time, a few months, um, Jay Yang, our current uh, chairman and CEO, uh, that he had raised, that uh, through various processes, he had raised about uh, $20 million for his uh, company. And so uh, he invited me on as one of the company's uh, main lawyers and particularly involved in as well, one of my long-term interests, 
uh, within uh, policy and the government and whatnot. Yeah. And so uh, seeing that opportunity, I thought uh, it was more or less really a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to do this. And I'd never, it was quite funny because uh, after I finished taking the bar, I took the uniform bar exam so you can transfer it over and whatnot. Right, right. So after that, I immediately traveled about two days later to a company offsite in the Bahamas and from there flying into Denver and then Wyoming. I'd never really been in this uh, part of the country before, but I really enjoy it. Uh, one thing to emphasize about a lot of our uh, executive leadership in contrast to other tech companies is that you know we, re the reason that we chose to be in Wyoming is because of that, uh, that independent spirit uh, the uh, existing culture of the state. And so in contrast to perhaps other tech companies, uh, we're not looking to uh, change the culture of the state, uh, <laughs> but to really uh, take that existing culture and take it to uh, its, uh, its greatest uh, potential in terms of all the potential uh, jobs that could be brought in, economic growth, uh, both in uh, Cheyenne, where we're headquartered, and uh, around the state as well. Yeah, for sure. What was your first thoughts of uh, Denver and driving up to Cheyenne? What time of year was it? I should ask that. Uh, it was in August of last year. Oh, I think okay. the end of August. So it was a, it was a good time to uh, get in, right? Yeah, per, uh, per, uh, it was probably a pretty drive up into Cheyenne. There oh, definitely, yeah. 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 Awesome. And uh, the one thing that I had heard is that somehow there was going to be some um, period of accustoming myself to the the atmosphere and whatnot. Oh, that, sure. that, was not a, that was not an issue with me. You know, apparently some people, they... They have some issue with it, right? Yeah. Where <laughs> you, uh, I think coming from Connecticut, you can handle the cold just fine. So I think you're, <laughs> that's the yeah, biggest thing. <laughs> one thing that I tell a lot of uh, my, uh, my friends and my colleagues who either live in like uh, Austin or some of these places, uh, what I really enjoy about uh, Wyoming, in addition to a lot of the natural beauty of the plains and the mountains, is the amount of sun that we receive, uh, particularly in Southeast Wyoming. I was talking to one of my good friends recently who lives in uh, Dallas. And he was saying that, uh, oh, John, why don't you move to Dallas or something like that? He's like, oh, it's like sunny here. And I actually brought him up this map. And it's actually because it rains less. It's actually sunnier in Wyoming. So even if it's cold, even if it snows a little bit, uh, your mood is always going to be uh, very good. And I think that that area and the entire state as a whole has a, a lot of untapped potential that um, that Tassin, other uh, companies that are based here in Wyoming, are going to be able to bring to the state moving forward. Yeah, especially in this crypto tech, uh, you know, side, the emerging technologies, emerging business. Um, uh, last thing, John, you know, uh, you've had a long couple of days, and you you were just testifying for that the blockchain select committee. Um, what are some other things Wyoming can do to stay in the forefront? You know, we've got the stable coin, which kind of I think we'll kind of see how that next legislative session goes, but. What are some other things that are getting bounced around um, in in the in the crypto uh, blockchain space that you think Wyoming um, is looking at and, and can continue to be at the forefront at a state yeah, level? Yeah, yeah, I would I would encourage people to look at um, what the Wyoming Blockchain Select Committee has uh, recently been discussing. Um, when I was at the committee hearing earlier today, they were discussing some very interesting possibilities related to uh, digital sovereign uh, digital identity mm. and uh, e citizenship such as like the company, or rather not the company, the, the country Estonia does this type of thing and it's brought in a lot of interest to them. Um, but uh, what the state can do is, uh, and what legislators can do, is uh, continue to innovate, continue to be at the forefront so that other states can't just uh, copy Wyoming and say, oh, well, we, we came up with it, whatever, what have you. Yeah. Another thing, um, and this is really incumbent upon uh, various uh, crypto businesses uh, that are based in Wyoming, 
is to try to uh, integrate yourself within the one, integrate yourself within the community to actually demonstrate to people for companies that have boots on the ground here that, you know, we are here, we are bringing jobs. And particularly if you're hire hiring, you know, Wyoming natives, that it's not just a bunch of people from uh, California sort of moving in, right? Which yeah. I've heard some various <laughs> concerns, <laughs> concerns about that. Um, and uh, really the, the second part of it is that... Uh, um, uh, Companies that are uh, that are based here um, should really, you know, reach out to their. It's not really the state's responsibility at that point. They've expended so much resources in passing all of this great legislation and uh, making Wyoming an attractive place to be. It's really incumbent upon us as businesses to be able to say, well, if you're considering moving to uh, Austin, which uh, I was telling you earlier, had uh, an average maximum temperature when I was there of 105 degrees <laughs> <laughs> this last week. I'm uh, really saying that uh, if you're considering a, a place uh, to be able to, uh, you know, start your business or or live, that you should really uh, consider a place Wy like uh, Wyoming. And a lot of what I encounter is that uh, people uh, think whenever I tell them I live in Wyoming, a lot of times when I tell people I live in Wyoming, they think I live in a town of five people out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> something like that. Whereas Cheyenne, it's like 90 minutes from Denver. It's about a popu metro population, about 100,000 and growing. Yep. And certainly, I mean, great quality of life, low crime, uh, very good fiscal policy in the state. And it really takes, um, you know, bringing people to the state itself and showing them that and making it like real in their eyes. And as soon as uh, other people start moving to the state, people that... Um, the sector respects, uh, then I think you're going to see some pretty, um, you know, stunning, you know, economic growth jobs being created here. Uh, actually, as well, if you'd like, and I'm sure we can link the the website or my information in the overall podcast. Uh, to that effect, uh, we're going to be hosting a, a tech conference for this uh, company called um, Urbit. Uh, which is a decentralized operating system, basically completely rethinking the web in a more uh, egalitarian, decentralized, more liberty-focused fashion. Mm. We're going to be hosting that at the end of the first week of August. So oh, awesome. If any of your listeners are interested in attending, definitely uh, reach out to me. And uh, it's going to be a public event as well. So you can just show up and see a lot of the great work that we performed on our headquarters in downtown Cheyenne. Very cool. Is that going to be up on your guys' website? Uh, I believe so. I have to coordinate with our marketing director, okay. but uh, definitely if you reach out to me uh, about it, I will definitely get you the info. Very cool. No, that was a great, great lead in because I just wanted to read off uh, your guys' headline here from uh, your guys' website, um, you know, uh, Tassin, uh, building products for the future of regulated decentralized finance. Um, they are the a leader, I should say, a world leader in crypto uh, compliance. They help. Oh, come on, the world leader. <laughs> I know. <Right. laughs> I was typing it. I was yeah. like, oh wait, they a you know, you guys yeah, were being humble, yeah. being humble uh, on it. Um, uh, they help entrepreneurs uh, successfully launch tokens, uh, traders uh, trade more securely, which is what John was talking about, and uh, the community to stay on top of you know the most important trends that's going on. So, um, and their website's easy. It's www.tacen.com. Um, John, am I th missing anything else that you guys wanted to cover? That was uh, a lot. No, that I think great. that's been uh, very great, and I really appreciate the time, especially being here in Sheridan. I mean, it's really such a, a beautiful part of Wyoming, and I will definitely be coming back uh, soon. Uh, one, I guess one additional thing is that uh, we are regular now that we've uh, completed some renovations on our event room, we actually hosted our biggest event ever, about uh, 50 people from uh, Cheyenne and Jackson and northern Colorado and Casper, 
uh, recently our event room uh, and our uh, headquarters being at 211 West 19th Street in Cheyenne. So if you're a crypto business interested in uh, talking to us, partnering with us, hosting an event in our space, becoming part of this uh, uh, burgeoning uh, vibe and space that we have in Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, please reach out to me or anyone else at the company, and we'll definitely find a, a good way to collaborate. Awesome. Yeah, just reach out to John. John is super responsive for anyone out there. Like his email, his phone number is on there, I believe. And like, just get, reach out to him. He'll get back to you. So, uh, John, yeah, thanks for setting this up since you were in town. And uh, this was fun. We'll have to have you guys back in because there's going to be so much more blockchain and uh, cryptocurrency. It never stuff. ends. Yes, it's always it's going to keep going. So, um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thanks for stopping by. Well, thank you so much again, Aaron. I think that in showcasing uh, the blockchain industry in Wyoming and uh, all the other cool and exciting stuff going on. Uh, you're definitely performing a, a really uh, important public service, so thank you. 